You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ladies and gentlemen, happy hump day and welcome to Locked On Seminoles. I'm your host, Max, and right here with me in the coziest Zoom room on the planet, I got my boy Drake, buddy. How we doing? We're doing good, man. Doing good. It's about to be Wednesday, middle of the week. I'm heading to Orlando on Friday, actually late Thursday night. I am stoked to go up there for a little bit, see my family, see my brother, and hey. And also, we are what 33 days away from kickoff against Notre Dame. 33 days away, man, folks. If you're listening to this, I hope you're as pumped as we are for the season. We're two Florida State alumni. We've got a third one. Unfortunately, Dave is not here tonight, but we're your resident lawyer lobbyist combo that talks about all things Florida State. I will tell you, we love Florida State probably more than our own families, maybe. I mean, it's close. I'm not going to lie. It's a it's a 50-50 ball, and uh, no one in my family is Kelvin Benjamin, and we love to also talk about the thing we love. So if you love Florida State, you're in the right place. If it's your 150th time, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Please don't forget to leave us a five-star review and tell us why you keep coming back. If it's your first time here, go ahead and hit that follow button so our episodes pop right up in your podcast queue on whatever platform you use every single morning, five days a week here at Locked on Seminoles. After you finish your requisite three-episode pledging period and you feel like you have a good, firm grasp of who we are, also go hit that five-star review and tell us why you hit the follow button and why you're sticking around. Drew's, we got a great episode for him tonight. I think we're going to talk, well, we're going to talk what's on everyone's mind. I mean, what are we, if not mouthpieces for our listeners, right? We're going to talk about the Notre Dame game. If you haven't listened to Monday and Tuesday's episode, we talked the depth chart. Now we've got who's going into battle for us. Let's talk about what's at stake in that battle. And then we'll probably finish it off depending on how long we go with everyone's brand new topic du jour, which means topic of the day in Francais, the SEC. But let's talk about Notre Dame first. Drake, I'm going to ask you point blank, like I asked Billy G when we pre-recorded his season preview last week, what is at stake in this game, both for Mike Norvell and for the team? So what's at stake, I want to say for, I think for the program as a whole, let me start there is that we actually are having, I want to say, over several dozens of recruits, top-of-the-line recruits, actually, if we win this game, will most likely say, hey, Florida State is finally going to be back to where they were when, you know, I was like five or six, or because I'm pretty sure that what it was eight years ago when we won, so basically when they were 12, maybe 11, eight, 10 years old, and also when their parents were back in the 90s, that we're basically now we're competing in the upper echelon, the elite of college football. If we lose the game, and if we lose the game, Badly similar to Virginia Tech a few years ago, it might send us a little bit of a spiral that, oh no, here we go again, into a little shell shock, you know, feeling that we have that we're maybe all the offseason hype was unwarranted. We're still the same team. We're still pretty damn bad. And also, that maybe that college football is leaving us back in the wayside. And that's where Dave has the fear that we may end up like in Nebraska. So I think for that, that's kind of where the program lies. I think for Coach Norvell, for him, as long as we're competent and we look like we're a competitive football team, I think that's already a good win because we've seen him do it at Memphis, actually coach very, very well. But now we need to see if he's able to consistently do it at a power five level because 
I know you're a Memphis, you're at a, in the American Athletic Conference. I like that, that conference a lot too, but you need to be able to prove you can do, do it up here with the big boys, especially the way college football is moving forward with the SEC. I think that's right. But I also, I think the stakes could not be higher. I don't want to overblow it, but I think this is a pivotal game. I would go as far to say this game is going to define Mike Norbell's career at Florida State. I agree with your analysis that he needs to be competent and he needs to be competitive. He doesn't need to win. But if he has a Willie Taggart situation, his career at this school is over. It may not be over on Monday, September 6th, but it will be over. There is no way he gets to go out and lose this game 28-0 to against a transfer quarterback with an offensive line that has to reload all five starters and say, oh, well, you know, that's just where we are, but we'll get better. Because I think you talked about unwarranted hype and off-season hype, and I think there's a very important asterisk to put on the off-season hype. The off-season hype hasn't really been around this team. We have the Immortals, the six transfers that have come in from mostly big-time programs that are here to win, but most of the hype's been around recruiting. Travis Hunter, newly number one recruit in the nation, second highest rated Florida State recruit of all time if he signs his national letter of intent. We have six committed offensive linemen projected to get seven or eight offensive linemen if we can stick with them. We've got Marvin Jones Jr. and other legacies that are in this class that we're hoping to get. So the hype is about what it's going to be, not this year, but next year. Mike Norvell has to keep this class together. He has to do well in this game. We have to see improvement and we have to see at least a performance that will let a kid like a Travis Hunter, a Sam McCall, a Marvin Jones Jr. Look at this, an Aluba go, hey, they may have lost that game, but I can easily look around and see why if the three or four of us had been there, that game would have gone the other way. When you see a team lose 28 to zero, no recruit on the planet is thinking they could have helped, right? Yeah, not even because I, I think it's that's the best way to put it. Cause I think all the kids that are gonna be there are gonna be like, hey, listen, if I was, you know, that DB on that crossing route where Jack Cohn somehow throws a touchdown pass, I would have been able to stop it. I would have been able to force a third down, maybe even a fourth down to prevent the touchdown play. Cause a lot of these kids are gonna be looking for, I'm gonna come here to change it, to flip the program, bring mm-hmm. us back to the promised land. And that's what is very important for a lot of these kids. And I'm right there with you. I've always said personally to me, I don't think Mike Novell is the the guy to be here for 10, 20 years, like Alibaba Bowden. I think he's very going to be very similar to a guy that you hire, clean up your mess, build a solid foundation, and the handoff to the next guy. Similar to what happened with Ron Zook over at Florida and the hand of the keys over to Urban Meyer. Because if you remember correctly, the recruiting, he was like six and six, seven and five, and his recruiting classes were probably top 10. And he gave it to Urban Meyer, and Urban Meyer made them into the juggernaut they were back in the mid 2000s. It will define his tenure here. I, I, I think I, it'll I, define his career in a way. I don't think that's hyperbole because oh no, yeah, gone like, are the days of getting to go pull a Charlie Weiss and go power five to power five. Nowadays, mm-hmm. there are so many great group of five coaches that have a strong pedigree at that level. There are so many great mid-major power five program coaches. Heck, there are so many great coordinators out there that there are literally dozens of coaches ready to take that power five head coaching spot. And if you mess up one opportunity, that's your one shot. It is your one shot. And I mean, you can't miss your chance to blow. I mean, it is your one shot. I mean, there is the, you know, Nick Saban reformatory school of former head coach. Of course, that want to coach of good course. and do other good stuff. Good too. But 
I mean, that's right. I mean, the last one that you saw that kind of went from Power 5 to Power 5 was Charlie Strong, who went from Texas after he was fired, then went to USF. But we haven't seen really that much, you know, maybe Tagger, but Tagger was like, I think, special circumstances. He only was here for 21 games. But mm-hmm. with Norvell, I, yeah, I, this is definitely going to be the, if he doesn't do well here, this might be the last Power 5 job he gets here, maybe for quite a while. Probably, yeah, I, I think if he, if he doesn't do well here, he's, he's going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere or a position coach in the NFL. But Drake, talking about stakes being high, let's talk about some of our favorite stakes. I don't mean the juicy kind that you eat. I mean the kind that make you a little nervous while the game's happening and make you think, oh man, did I make the right pick? And that's right. It's time for the betonline.ag line of the day. Folks, I want to spoil this real quick. I promised you we'd have our gambling expert on betonline.ag is working really hard. They've got the computers crunching and they are getting ready to give us some juicy, juicy week one lines. But the week one lines aren't out yet. So we're waiting until those come out. Then we'll have the real action expert on for you. But right now, Drake, you know where I'm going. I've got NCAA football win totals. And they've moved our line. And I know we don't like to bet on the home team, but I think we need to because I don't know how I feel about this. We got Florida State's over-under has been moved down to five and a half wins. The over's at minus 140, the under's at plus 110. So it's not a true five and a half, but that's where it sits. Drake, hmm. what do you like there, buddy? It, oh, here, no, here's the thing, though. I already took that. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, <laughs> what'd you take? Over-under? Over, over oh, under. I, took, oh so, I took the over. I think, I think we're shooting to win six games. I think oh. if it's at six, I think six, the, to me, if it was six, it would have been a push. Because mm-hmm. we do have one of the harder schedules. I think we play five former top 15 teams in our schedule. But I think six games is what double from last year. And we, yep. can, I still account for that we're going to be winning one of the Notre Dame or UNC games. I think we have a lot of winnable games. I think like when we did our uh, little schedule pick them, there was like yep. five games on there that we weren't really like, you know, that, that's too worried about. So I think five and a half is a really solid spot. And I wouldn't be surprised that before, you know, kickoff starts that it's up to six, maybe even six and a half. Because I think six is the perfect push spot so i would slam five and a half as i already did on battle i for i think a hundred bucks yeah for a hundred bucks nice all right here we go you got to take one of these you get to answer in two words no justification you just have you just get to tell me the team which one of these bets are you going to take if you had to bet one iowa state over nine and a half or florida over nine you can only bet on one but you have to bet on one just say the team name who are you taking i'm gonna take iowa state all right, folks, there it is. Your betonline.ag line of the day. Go to betonline.ag, make an account, use promo code locked on, get a 50% welcome bonus. You heard it here first Florida State over five and a half. And if for some reason you want to flip a coin with us, take Iowa State nine and a half instead of Florida at nine. I already took Florida under at nine. <laughs> So we've talked about what's at stake for the, the program. We've talked about what's at stake for Norvell. Let's talk about the roadmap. We talked about the depth chart yesterday and Tuesday, or sorry, yesterday and Monday. Folks, you can go listen to that if you want. Drake, what makes you feel confident that we can win this game? And what makes you feel like there's absolutely no way we can win this game? Well, the fact that we haven't won in a season opener in what, four or five years makes me think that we can't win this game. Sorry, four years. Thank you, Max. Uh, but what gives me confidence to win this game is that this is a Notre Dame team that typically comes out of the gate super sluggish if you watch their past CFP year, I want to say three or four years ago when Ian Book was a freshman into his sophomore year. 
they didn't perform that well at all whatsoever. And that's where they're returning quarterback. And you already alluded to this now that they're they're replacing their entire starting offensive line that was number one in the country by 15 points to Georgia for PFF. And also, I think that the fact that we're playing them super early in the year, and also it's at Doak, I'm very, very, I'd be very surprised, honestly, if it isn't a close game. And I think that definitely speaking that their personnel, when it comes to the offensive weaponry, will not have the chemistry that we know we might actually have because we still have Jordan Travis, who I think may be the X, he won't be starting quarterback for the game, but I think he's the X factor and probably a primary reason that, reason that we win the game. Yeah, I think for me, what makes me optimistic are two things. The replacements that you you mentioned, Notre Dame has had a severe amount of roster turnover. And I think it's also the fact that Norvell's done this before. He's been in Dope Campbell against the top team. He's beaten that top team. He's rose to that occasion. Again, he's also had some not so bright and shining moments. But if he can have last year's team beat UNC, I don't care how fluky it looks. I don't care if we have to you know, I don't know, run out the clock with 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. I don't care how we do it. A dub's a dub. A dub's a dub here. I really think, and it's interesting. I think that a loss is not a loss. All losses in this game will not be created equal. You get blown out. You get skunked. That recruiting class is gone. You might as well just start dusting off the resume, polish up the LinkedIn profile, and start reaching out to recruiters. If you lose by seven on a last-second play, I frankly think that recruiting class gets more solidified. And then I think there's a lot of gray area in the middle. I think you have a game just like last year. You give up 400 rushing yards, but you're winning after a quarter. You were competitive into the third quarter. Well, I think that's a game that some of these guys, like maybe a Marvin Jones Jr. looks at and goes, well, if I was at linebacker, we wouldn't have given up 400 rushing yards. So that game's not going to go that way next time. And anyway, uh, there's a lot of gray area there is the point I'm making. Yeah, I'm about to say, because like I'm, I'm a little more iffy on that, and I think maybe we give up like maybe 300 yards of offense, like total. Well, I'm just fine. yeah. No, no, yeah, no. I'm saying yeah. more for the fact that I want to know how these kids feel about Fuller because if they don't believe in his scheme or that it's improved from the year before, why would they come here? I mean, because I, I know we everyone's been using the COVID thing as as you know a cop out and excuse me, kind of as a mulligan, but if it's still the same damn thing, it doesn't matter how close the game is. Be like, do I still you know want to play? You know at the school under this DC, or maybe he might not even be there because I think Norvell will definitely be between him and Fuller. He's going to be like, Hey, listen, man, I love you, but you got to go. I think that Mike Fuller or Adam Fuller, whatever his first name is, I can't remember. I can't even remember which one I work with and which one's the coach anymore. I get the Fuller names confused, but I think Adam Fuller, the, the rage in Bostonian should get the Willie Taggart treatment. And I don't mean that because I'm a hater. You know, in fact, I've probably been his biggest defender on this show, at least because of the hate he gets from you and Dave, deservedly so to some degree. I do not think if we have a performance in the first four games, the way we looked in the first four games last year, you can afford to keep him. I think recruiting right now, you have so much momentum and you have so many great things happening just that's the only way really to put it not only do you have commits you're getting the right buzz you're beating florida you're beating miami you're getting national attention a lot of those kids are on the defensive side of the ball and if it looks like our defensive coordinator cannot develop talent and cannot coach defensive players in a scheme that's going to win football games and help them eventually get to the nfl 
you got to get rid of him and send a message to those recruits to make sure you bring in that class because I actually, I have no qualm. I was going to qualify it. I have no qualms with saying Sam McCall and Travis Hunter are infinitely. That means a non-quantifiable number. It is so large. It extends from here to the ends of the universe of which there is none. The limit does not exist. Infinitely more important to the future of this program than Adam Fuller. I do not care who our defensive coordinator is. I want our defense to win us football games. Travis Hunter, Sam McCall, Marvin Jones Jr., they can help do that. If this guy's not getting it done and he's not helping do that, I will have no problem seeing him get a pink slip, turn in his company car, and get on an airplane back to Boston. So I think that's also something that's at stake. Yeah, I'm never here to call for someone's, you know, job to be fired or anything, but the reality is that I have been down on Adam Fuller. I, I know his first name personally because I think I've been ragging on him for the past almost year now that we started the podcast with Noel Anonymous and now with Locked On Seminoles that I don't think he's that great of a D coordinator. And what's really even worse about it is that you can see with his schemes and his placement that he, this man understands what a good defense should look like. My problem is, is I don't know I don't, I'm not going to say he doesn't know. I'm going to say I don't know if he can fully execute it with the tools he has at hand. And that's something that we don't have time for. We're not a middling small program. We're a blue-blooded program that needs to go back to where we are. I'm sick and tired of you know worrying about, am I going to make a bowl game this year? Are we going to be Miami? Are we going to be Florida? We don't have time for you know to you, know, you go from you know your Memphis and Marshall days to finally be a solid D coordinator. That's why I wanted Dan Landing super badly. So with Adam Fuller, to me, he's on, like, I think it's, I, I don't know how you can go higher than hot seat because I think that he definitely is the one that's on like the first one to go if he's on top of the block. No, he's on the hot airplane seat. The difference between the hot seat and the hot airplane seat is at the end of the season, the guy on the hot seat gets told to leave the hot airplane seat. You get the Lane Kiffin treatment and they hand you a commercial ticket while the team gets on the private jet. No ejective seat though, cuz? No, we're not going to eject him and you know, we're not going to, we're not going to kill the guy. We're just going to tell him to leave town. I don't know. Maybe the problem with the defense last year, though, wasn't Adam Fuller. Maybe it wasn't even the players. Maybe it was just all the noon games. You know, it was lunchtime and they were hungry. And you know you don't perform your best when you're hungry. Now, if you're hungry and you're not performing your best, you're getting to the office and you're like, Max, it's going to be a tough one, buddy. I don't know about today. I didn't get a good breakfast. The kids were all over the place. Well, hopefully you listen to me. And in your desk drawer, you got some built bars. Because, folks, you know. You already know, I tell you all the time, Built Bars are the best way to get 19 grams of protein or 17, depending on which flavor you get. Five grams of carbs, five grams of sugar. It is a delicious, nutritious snack, fills you up. It basically tastes like a candy bar, hits like a protein bar. So do yourself a favor, go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, LOCKED15, to get 15% off your order. Buy your Built Bars now, your stomach, and you will thank me later. Well, now that we've talked about the fun stuff, uh, airplane seat ejectors, people getting left on tarmacs and run out of town, what's going to keep you up at night on September 4th, the day before the game? What's going to keep me up at night probably is going to be our linebackers and the coverage for over slants. That's going to be one of my biggest things that I'm going to be watching out for. I really, really want to see Stephen Dix finally take that next step because I think it could be a very, very 
very, very damn good player. I don't know about special because like we he might be in that old Colt sign up sort of mold where a bigger, a big linebacker, you don't have as great cover skills. Like back in the nineties, he probably would be a five star talent. He'd be a first round overall pick. But now you're going to the safety that comes into the box, plays linebacker role, the hybrid positionless football. But I really need I really want to see him take the next step. Because if he's not able to cover them, I don't know. Because if they can't do that, that's what they're going to do all damn game. Because I don't trust Jack Cohn to do anything else better besides a slant throw. Because he doesn't have the arm for that. So that's going to keep me up at night. And secondly, maybe the wide receivers, that they hopefully can catch the ball now. I think what's going to make me really nervous the night before, probably make me lose some sleep and keep me up, frankly, all day Sunday being worried until kickoff is Jack Cohen. We know how a Wisconsin transfer can go, and we're hoping it goes that way for them. But there is a lot of optimism surrounding him in their program, and I'm just, I'm just terrified that somehow he's going to be like the Wisconsin transfer that's fantastic and just have this breakout Joe Burrow-esque moment, and we're going to be sitting there on the other end of it wondering how he just threw for 600 yards and made us look ridiculous. Is that going to happen? Probably not. Leaning, definitely not. But when I'm talking about what I'm really nervous about going that's into fair. the game, that's like what's it's, it's just the unknown for me of him. That's almost as irrational as my fear of frogs. <laughs> hey, man, frogs are freaky. <laughs> frogs are freaky. But no, with the Jack Cohn thing, like, I'm I don't see. I mean, I watched a lot of the Big Ten things, as you guys can tell. I like watching a lot of college football for personal and for game purposes. But with Jack Cohn, I don't see him having the arm strength for it. I know Philly G is very high on him. Bill, I'm very sorry, but that's not a good quarterback to have. I think the kid you actually got from California, the freshman, probably might play your last three to four games if you're kind of out of it. And typically with quarterbacks, like having their first start, the only time I think I've ever had that gut feeling where like he was going to actually play pretty decently well and beat us was last year with Jeff Sims. And that was more because the entire narrative of, you know, Mike Norvell allegedly telling him that, hey, you know, we're going into a different direction with quarterback when we wanted to get Tate Rodermaker instead of Jeff Sims. So me personally, my gut, Jack Cohn, I don't see it as being an issue, but I definitely do see probably the linebacking core probably being, that's going to keep me up at night. Yeah, I mean, Jack Cohn has the stats. If I'm reading it right with Phil Steele's, all his weird abbreviations and such, it looks like Cohen in his career at Wisconsin was had 18 starts, threw for 3,200 yards, 68% completion, 23 and eight. That is touchdowns to interceptions. And that's very much what's built well for the Notre Dame offense is a guy that doesn't make a lot of mistakes, isn't going to surprise you, isn't going to wow you, but is going to control the ball, control on offense. And if we're going to win this game, and y'all hear this when me and Philly G drop our season preview or sort of our game preview, we're going to need turnovers. We have to get some interceptions. We have to hope we can force some fumbles, be disruptive on special teams. It's going to come down to that. So I think I'd like to amend what I'm afraid of it's less that Cohen's going to throw for 600 yards and more that he will just play mistake-free football. And I don't think we're going to be in the place, even with the transfers in another year in the system, to go toe-to-toe with this team. I think the way we win this game, we need turnovers. We need to, as they said, Mighty Ducks, we got to ta- clean up the trash. You know, when he dumps the trash can in Mighty Ducks 2 in front of the goal and mm-hmm. they're just practicing knocking it in. That's the mentality we're going to have to approach this game with. It's how we beat UNC last year. It's how we hung in with this team for the first two and a half quarters last year. And we're going to need to do it again this year. Regardless, it's going to be exciting. It really is. And 
It's not going to happen this year, but what is going to happen this year is we're going to play some football. Like we talked about, the stakes are going to be incredibly high. It's going to be a phenomenal game Labor Day weekend. We only got 33 days until then. So folks, thanks for hanging out with us here at Locked On Seminoles. Enjoy your hump day. It is almost the weekend. You can do it. And to get you there, we've got episodes Monday through Friday, which means after this episode, you get two more of us this week. I'm Max. That was Drake. And this was Locked On Seminoles. Go Mons. Up too early now. Hey, there you go. I actually went to a Rage game. I really enjoyed it. Over there. It's on my yeah, no.